A supermarket owner in Cornwall put in an advert for a seasonal Father Christmas to work in his store. But when he submitted the advert, the local job center rejected it on the basis of sex discrimination. Uh, He wrote to the job center staff, with no disrespect to ladies, Father Christmas is and always has been a man. However, I guarantee to be entirely impartial in the selection of father stroke mother Christmas. And therefore, the person, if female, should have a deep voice, long gray whiskers, a big belly, and no discernible bosom. Should such a female candidate be successful, my only concern is for our children who will doubtless be terrified. Well, society is in confusion about the meaning of Christmas. Uh, We like the idea of feasting and celebration, and uh, we love the idea of, of, of giving, but especially getting presents. We like the idea of being happy and merry. We desperately want to be joyful, but the truth is that we're not quite sure why that should be the case. Why should Christmas be merry? Why should this be a happy holiday? Now, what does God have to say about this? I want you to open your Bibles, please, to Isaiah chapter 9. We've been working through the book of Isaiah over the last few weeks, and we come to this passage this Sunday, and you'll find it on page 693. If you don't have a Bible, grab a church Bible, page 693. Because what I want us to see from this chapter is that there are really good reasons to be joyful this Christmas. And as I read it, I want you to notice with me how it moves from darkness into brilliant light. Isaiah chapter 9, page 693. You got it? Let me read it. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation. And increase their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us, A child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. 
Let's just briefly pray, shall we? Father, as we've sung, we thank you that even in this uh, dark world, the everlasting light has shone. And we pray that as we consider our own hopes and fears at this time of the year, that we may see that there is reasons for joy and hope in your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask this in his precious name. Amen. Well, if you're feeling gloomy and uh, a bit fearful at the end of this year, then notice with me that is exactly the context of uh, the people to whom Isaiah wrote this originally. Uh, It was a time of darkness. Look back at chapter 8 and verse 22. If you close your Bibles, open them back up to page 693. We're going to be just working through these verses. It was a time of darkness for them. Look at uh, verse 22 of chapter 8. Then they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom. And they will be thrust into utter darkness. Now what was this cause of, of the darkness? Well actually it was, it was worse than an economic recession. It was worse than rising unemployment. Um, they were facing invasion by a violent superpower. It was the 8th century BC and Assyria was threatening the borders of their lands. They were facing uh, you know, a terrible threat. They were facing possibly the destruction of their homes, their farms, their businesses, the loss of their possessions and wealth, physical abuse, loss of life, de- deportation, slavery. All of this was, was threatened on the people at, at the time that Isaiah was writing. Terrible darkness. Now, why were they facing such a dreadful prospect? Well, behind the politics, Isaiah says there's a spiritual issue going on. The king and the nation had chosen to ignore God's word, and instead they'd kind of gone for their own wisdom. They'd followed their own plan. And so this was a despair of their own making. This was a darkness of their own making, which made it all the worse. God had clearly spoken through Isaiah the prophet about how uh, they could have been kept safe by trusting God and his word, but they'd rejected that. And so they were in disaster and darkness. Now, I think that's not just a description of ancient ancient history. I think that's a a reasonable description of where we're at in in the world today. We live with with much darkness in the world today. Now I want you to look at this chapter to see how this ancient description describes really what it's like to live uh, in a world where people reject God and His Word and instead go by their own wisdom. First of all, there's a real culture of fear. Look back at chapter 8, verse 12. Do not call conspiracy everything that these people call conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear and do not dread it. If you've had enough of of having a peaceful time this Christmas, then simply switch on 24-hour cable news and just watch it for a while. And pretty soon you can be gripped with all the horrible things that are happening in the whole world. Drought, floods, famine, uh, all the, 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 the civil wars, the horrors in the world will be beamed in your room. And we live in a time where we have unparalleled access to all the darkness and the traumas of this world. And I would say, if you consider the last 10, 11 years, the, 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 the word that would describe it would be, a, would be fear. We have been racked with lots of fear 
fear of terrorist attacks, fear of global warming, avian flu, Y2K, dirty bombs, the list goes on. The noughties, and uh, it's continuing on into this decade, seems to be a time of a culture of fear. And of course, when you reject God, and, and all you have to do uh, it, to face this world is rely on your own resources, there's, there's good reasons for anxiety, don't you think? How, how on earth am I supposed to cope against this avalanche of problems? Not only is there a time of fear, but it's a time where people seek guidance in strange places. Look at chapter 8, verse 19. When men tell you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? And it's amazing to me that even in this technological age, uh, uh, what we've done is we've moved all our weirdness onto the internet. You can go on the internet and get horoscopes and palm readings and, and, and all around us is still stuff about Ouija boards, mediums, seances, crystals, books that'll tell you about Nostradamus and secret prophecies that no one else knows about, TV scheduling, you just look at it. There's still lots of weird supernatural stuff. And you see, when we give up listening to the Bible, we'll end up looking for guidance from the strangest places. G.K. Chesson once put it this way, when people stop believing in God, it's not that they believe in nothing, they believe in everything. There's a culture of fear, there's a culture of seeking guidance in strange places, and there's a culture of blame and anger. Look at chapter 8, verse 21. Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. When they are famished, they'll become enraged, and looking upward will curse their king and their God. Now, as a society, we ignore God most of the time, and then a tsunami comes along, or a 9-11, and we shake our fists and say, well, where is God? And this is just a mark of a godless culture, that it's always looking to find blame somewhere else. Blame the politicians. Blame big business. Blame God. Blame everyone except probably myself. This is the culture that we live in when we've chosen to ignore God and his word. Fear, strange, weird guidance, blame, anger, and darkness. 8 verse 22, this despair that actually I think pervades our culture. When Then they will look towards the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom. They will be thrust into utter darkness. Now, the reason I've spelt that out is I want us to see how this passage moves from darkness to brilliant light. Really, this is why we've come out on a Christmas day, isn't it? We, we've got great reasons for joy and hope. There is light that has shone into this darkness. So what is it? Well, look at chapter 9, verse 1. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. Do you get the, the picture? Darkness, distress, but that's not the end of it. Nevertheless, nevertheless, Something big was going to happen around Nazareth and Galilee. This was written sort of 700 plus years before the coming of Jesus. And Isaiah says, tell you what, you're living in darkness and distress. Keep your eyes peeled on this area of Nazareth and Galilee, this land of, of Zebulun and Naphtali, because something big is going to happen there that's going to bring light into a dark world. Verse 2, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land, in the shadow of death, a light has dawned. 
I guess people put up Christmas lights for lots of different reasons. But I think as a Christian, the reason I put them up is it reminds me that there's, there's reasons for hope in the darkness. And here it is. There's light that shines into the darkness of the human condition. And what Isaiah promises here gives us reasons for being merry and joyful this Christmas. Take a look at verse 3. You've enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. Do you know what? This day, God wants us to experience joy and gladness. He really does. The sort of joy that a farmer has when he gets a bumper harvest. A time of feasting. There's more food than you know what to do with. Feasting and joy. It's the sort of joy when a terrible tyrant and his army are defeated and all their ill-gotten gain captured and shared around. Wouldn't it be great for Libya if all their oil wealth starts getting shared around the country? Uh, you can go into HMV now and buy all these box sets and there's a classic box set on Band of Brothers from World War II and it follows through the uh, Easy uh, Company uh, who were the first air troopers in the Second World War and it's an amazing what they did but the final act was to capture Hitler's nest which was his holiday home in Austria the Eagle's Nest it was called and this amazing scene as these soldiers get up and, and liberate the wine cellar of Hitler. Hitler had gathered all the best wines from around his Germanic empire and put them all there. And they broke in. And guess what? They started having a little bit of a celebration. Well, if you can picture the joy of kind of dividing up the spoils of victory, that's the type of gladness. That's the type of joy that God wants us to know and experience this Christmas. And so what is the source of it? What's the reason for it? Well, we, we considered it in our memory verse earlier. It is the birth of a king. We move from darkness to light when we see the glory of this everlasting king. Uh, look at verse 6 again. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulder. All this joy for, for the birth of a baby? This is incredible, isn't it? Now every mother and father here will uh, start to mist up a little bit when they consider the birth of their own children. But let's be honest, when our children were born, uh, it was not a cause of national celebration, was it? Uh, maybe a few people feigned some interest about the weight and the name of the baby, uh, but that was about it. But if it was a king that brought an inevitable invasion upon their country in Isaiah's time, the great news is that there's a better king coming. And if we've come to realize that we're messing up our lives and our relationships by living selfishly, the great news is that there is another king who can take charge of our lives. We may have given it a go and made a bit of a mess of it, but here's the good news. When we submit to this king... There are reasons for joy in our lives. Now, how can this king, this king described in the 8th century BC uh, that came in the first century, how can he have any significance for us? Well, it's all bound to the name, isn't it? Who would dare call their child this name? This is a big name to live up to. I've often wondered whether, uh, when I was having my kids, should I 
sort of skip the educational process and call them professor. This is Professor Reese. Uh, this is Dr. Reese. Uh, this is the uh, High Lord Admiralty. Oh, you know, you could just you could skip a lot of education that way. Just call them the name, but then they'd have to live up to it, wouldn't they? Who could live up to this name? Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Bit of a clue in the name there. Just think about that. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Who could live up to such a name? The gift God gave us at Christmas was Jesus the King, God the Son. God come in human flesh. See, if Israel's kings brought disaster on them because of their foolish plans, this king has wisdom wonderful counselor and I want to say to you if you if you feel like you're living in the darkness right now and you're in, in gloom and despair right now because you just don't know which way to go forward you don't know how to make sense of your life right now I want you to consider the glory of this king who is the wonderful counselor have you seen his glory because when you do there's there's hope in the darkness and this, this king has more than wisdom. He has power to back it up. Mighty God. It, maybe you're in the darkness and despair right now of realizing that you have faced circumstances and they are way bigger than you have the ability to deal with. You have limited resources. Have you seen the glory of this king? He is the mighty God. I don't care what your problem is. If you've seen the glory of this king, mighty God, there is nothing to fear. And this is the king who cares. His leadership is that of a loving father. Here is the dad that will never leave us. The everlasting father. I don't know, maybe your darkness of despair this Christmas might be around the whole business of just feeling lonely. A sense of loss, of relationship. Have you seen the glory of this king? The everlasting father? And he's the king who can end uh, conflict and enmity between us and God and between us and other people. He is the prince of peace. Just meditate on the name of this amazing child that was prophesied to be born. You know, if your darkness and despair is because you're just anxious, you're worried, there's tension, there's conflict. Have you seen the glory of this king, the prince of peace? He can bring peace with God. He brings peace between people. Now, read on in Isaiah. We're going to come back to this uh, in future years at Charlotte Chapel. But you'll see that there's more prophecies relating to this amazing king. That this, this peace would be achieved at great personal cost. Uh, you read on in Isaiah 53 that he would be bruised and beaten. That he would be pierced for our sin and rebellion. That God would punish him and would, he would swap places with us so that we could be forgiven. And that is the amazing gift that God gives us in His Son. 
that uh, he promises 700 years before he came that those who would come and submit to him as their king, that this is the leadership that he offers them, wisdom, might, fatherly care, and peace. Now, how does this become ours? How, does, how do we get this this Christmas? How do we make it ours today? Well, I want you to um, turn with me to Matthew chapter 4. You might keep your finger in Isaiah. But Matthew chapter 4, page uh, 968. So 700 years later, then Isaiah, Matthew records this. In Matthew 4, verse 12. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he returned to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way to the sea along the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. See, if we've been rejecting God, ignoring his word, then there is a way of forgiveness and hope. And and we get it, we receive it by this, repenting. It is by repentance. We need to turn around. That's what repentance is. I'm going this way, I'm repenting, I'm turning exactly the other way, and I'm going to go in the opposite direction. So if we've been walking away from God and ignoring his word, repentance means turning back to God and starting to believe his word and trust his word. If, if our darkness is that we've been rejecting King Jesus and we've been walking away from him and treating him as nothing, repentance is turning around to submit to him as my king and receiving his forgiveness and grace. The way that this glorious Christmas light becomes ours is repentance, my friends. And it becomes ours to say sorry and to say thank you to, to, to what God has done for us in Jesus. We'll turn back to Isaiah 9. We move from darkness to light when we see the glory of the everlasting King. And when we see that and trust Him, we will enter into His everlasting kingdom. Look at chapter 9, verse 7 of Isaiah, page 693. Page 693. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. Now, is this not what the world longs for? It longs for peace, justice, righteousness. And the coming of the king marks the beginning of God's everlasting kingdom. But it's not here yet, is it? That's not the world we live in yet. We do live in a world where there is much war, injustice, and unrighteousness. But the king has come, and it means that this everlasting kingdom is coming. Now, how does this section help us? 
Well, think about it. How did it help the people in Isaiah's day? He's telling of events that were going to happen 700 years later. How was that going to help them in the darkness of what they were facing uh, with the reality of invasion and all the suffering that was coming? Well, if you've ever walked down a very long, dark tunnel, have you ever done that? There's a, if, you, if you cycle along from Edinburgh out to the Falkirk Wheel, there's a final tunnel. It's a long tunnel. I think the Lord of the Land built this tunnel so he didn't have to look at the canal. I think that's the story. But have you been along that? It's a very, very long tunnel. I once cycled down that tunnel, and it was so dark. It was unbelievable. It was quite scary. And then I realized I had my sunglasses on. <laughs> and that didn't help things. But I got halfway through thinking, it's very, very dark. I'm going to get in the canal. But the thing that made it bearable was to see the light at the end of the tunnel. You, you go increasingly into the gloom, but halfway through the gloom, you just start seeing the light at the other end. That's how this passage works for them. They were going to go through great and terrible darkness. But Isaiah says, there is a brilliant light at the end of the tunnel. You can live now in the good of that light. Even though you're still in the darkness, to see that light, you know, oh, there's hope. We're going to get out of this. There's a way forward. There's reasons for joy. I'm not in the darkness on my own. I'm not going to be stuck here forever. Now, my friends, we live in a far greater light than um, the people that Isaiah wrote to because we live... 2,000 years after the coming of Jesus, who fulfilled all of these ancient promises. His kingdom has already begun uh, invading people's lives. This room is full of people whose lives have been changed and are being changed and transformed by King Jesus, who brings hope into our despair. Today, even if we are living in darkness, then I want to say to you, you can live with the reality that this kingdom is coming. I don't know whether what shape your dark tunnel may be today. Um, it may be suffering. It may be loss. It may be um, struggling with uh, not enough money, uh, disappointments in relationships. I don't know what it is for you today. But I want to say to you, have you seen the glory of this king? Because you move from darkness to light when you see the glory of this king, the wonderful counselor, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, and the prince of peace. Great reasons for celebrating. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we want to thank you that you saw us in the darkness of our own sin and rebellion and you had mercy and compassion upon us. And you worked out this amazing salvation plan where you would come in human flesh, a baby born in obscurity and yet mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, wonderful Counselor. We want to thank you that even though we are still living in a world where there is suffering and injustice and pain, we have seen in King Jesus the light of the coming kingdom. We thank you that in his life we see that he 
uh, abolished disease. He, he cured those who were sick. He stilled the storm. He raised the dead. We want to thank you that he forgave sins. And we want to thank you that this hope can be ours, that you, even today, can forgive our sins. And I pray that you would grant us, each one of us, fresh repentance today to turn away from our sin, to turn away from our living for ourselves and living our own wisdom, that we may rely on King Jesus for our salvation. Grant us to truly feast and celebrate today out of joy for this King. We ask this in his precious name. Amen.